Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam from the Back Patio Network, and as always, I've got my good buddy, Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. I just want to give you guys a quick reminder, uh, check out our iTunes link in the description, leave us a review, we'd really love it. It gives us a lot of attention on the podcast, uh, especially in iTunes. It seems like most people get their podcasts from iTunes, and the more reviews there, the better that we are going to be able to get ourselves out there, and we would absolutely love your help. So if you do anything, please go check out our iTunes, give us a five-star review, and if I remember correctly, you can actually check out a new podcast friend of ours from iTunes. Uh, tell us a little bit about him, Atkins. You can. Uh, so recently, we were kind of tagged in a list um, of, it was actually a short list, I believe it was only three podcasts. Um, somebody tweeted and said, hey, here are these three My Hero Academia podcasts. Um, and it was us. There's the actual, I think, it, it, the, the My Hero Academia podcast proper, the, probably the biggest one out there right now. Uh, and then the third one was one called Hero Notes. And I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and give them a listen because there's no such thing as competition in this fandom. It's, it's all camaraderie and, uh, and community. So I've been listening to them at two times speed because they have over 100 episodes. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, they're getting it, man. It's, it's these two guys named Luke and Mark. And their show is almost antithetical to ours. Like we sit down and typically, like traditionally when the anime is running anyway, we, Adam and I will sit down and watch two episodes of the anime and talk about it. And occasionally I will say, well, this is how the manga is different. Uh, and Luke and Mark do kind of the opposite where they sit down and look through a number of chapters too, um, traditionally of the manga. Um, and they will occasionally make comparisons to the, uh, to the anime. So, uh, and they, they're, their podcast is very much like ours or ours is very much like theirs, however you want to talk about it. So if you enjoy our podcast at all, I highly recommend Hero Notes. I am thoroughly enjoying Listen Back to their backlog and there is a bunch of it. So That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, definitely go check those guys out too. Yeah, you can find them. They're on iTunes and Stitcher, Podbean. Um, they're uh, in, uh, on Twitter as well at, uh, at Hero Notes Pod. Um, and, uh, they, they even went out of their way to compliment our logo. So shout out to Wit and Natalie Maxey, both of whom are friends of, and have done commissioned work for both the back patio network and nerds on earth. Yeah. And actually, uh, we have another artist that does some stuff for us as well that, uh, did our individual logos. And I love that one too, man. She did a great job, didn't she? Yeah. Are you talking about our character? Yeah, yeah, our like individual characters. They she drew you as um, Izawa and drew me as All Might. I love it. Yeah, definitely, super so. super awesome artwork. And she, it still blows my mind a little bit that she drew me as Izawa long before I, I had think yeah. I had started saying that he was my favorite character of all time. So that was an awesome coincidence. Definitely. So speaking of season five of My Hero, I I just did some quick googling. We still don't have a release date, man. I'm kind of bummed about that. Yeah, I haven't even heard or seen of rumors of like a teaser trailer or anything coming out. Um, I did see from Ohm actually was talking and uh, I don't remember if this was on Twitter or in the Discord recently, but... Yeah, I remember seeing him say something about it, but I didn't see where it was. He was basically sharing a tweet. I think it was in the Discord where um, they are actively working on some of the sound design. I think specifically the uh, the like um, the soundtrack uh, for or the score for season five right now. So something is being done. I mean, progress is yeah. being made. So that's exciting. We'll we'll take that. The score for this show is so good too. Like holy cow! I the other day I was doing some studying for some certifications I've got coming up, and I found this like My Hero Academia uh like playlist on YouTube, and it, it had me so amped. You know, like it's just such good studying music. Yeah, man. I I can't wait to get back to like 
hearing and seeing these things in, in motion. I mean, right now, uh, if, if you're tuning into the Almighty Pod for the first time, we are anime-less at, uh, at the moment. So we have uh, kind of branched off into some My Hero adjacent stuff. And what that has been for the last few episodes of the Almighty Podcast um, has, has been the Vigilantes uh, spinoff series, which we have thoroughly been enjoying. And tonight we're going to be talking our way through episodes or chapters 17 and 18, and then a couple of like special little one-off chapters um, featuring a lot of the UA um, teachers and stuff um, in a couple of like uh, past these things. have t- Vigilantes is set beho- before the My Hero Academia anime, uh, and so we get a kind of a glimpse into what's been going on in, in some of the lives of some of the teachers in a couple of these chapters, which is really neat too. Yeah, I really enjoyed. They they were like SP one and SP two, so I guess they're just like special chapters at the end of this volume. But they were awesome. It was good getting to see some of our old you know characters that we're used to. Yeah, characters that we miss, man. I mean, it's good to yeah, see. I mean, man. anytime I see Aizawa, and I know um, it's it's my understanding that Aizawa becomes a much bigger presence in Vigilante, so I can't wait to get to that stuff because Aizawa is still the greatest. Um, but we see, you know, heroes that we like, and some that maybe we have uh, some mixed feelings about. Endeavor is. Uh, uh, front and center for the first chapter of those two, I think. So we'll work old our way Endeavor in that direction too. for sure. Yeah, old Endeavor too, not the new yeah. kind of like old you know try trying to make uh well young old Endeavor, I guess. <laughs> but I guess I mean like old personality Endeavor. He's not trying to make up for his mistakes. You know, he's still the like ready to fire. You know, breathe fire down your neck Endeavor. So yeah, Adam and I were just talking about how we we don't really work from notes when we're covering the manga, because we can just kind of flip through panel to panel and kind of wing things as we go. When we're covering the anime, lots of notes, and we try to uh, have a little bit more structure. Um, but if I had show notes for this, one of the thoughts that I had when, uh, when Endeavor was on the page is he's like trying to just get out of this meeting. Uh, we, we closed ep- uh, chapter 16 of Vigilantes with um, the two characters, the uh, Koichi's mom and Mikado, basically saying that they're going to take a day at the mall together and Koichi's tagging along. So that's where yeah. after, uh, chapter 17 picks up. Do we have a name for Koichi's mom yet? I feel like she's just referred to as mom in all of these. I don't remember. Um, right. We're terrible with names, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was already been said and we just didn't pick up on it. I do remember her quirk is fly swatter. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm uh, yeah. just not paying as much attention. Well, I'll, I'll try to look it up while you uh, start bringing us gently into the... Uh, into chapter that sounds, 17. That sounds perfect because I was trying to Google it and I'm just getting JoJo's Bizarre Adventure stuff. So, <laughs> which we aren't covering JoJo. We're covering My Hero Academia Vigilantes. And in this episode or this chapter, uh, chapter 17, it's great because you're right. We pick up right where we left off. They're at the mall and Mikado and his mother are having so much fun. And you can tell that, like, he's glad they're enjoying themselves, but he's holding all their bags. He's kind of exhausted. Um, you know, and it's, it's just kind of one of those things where like the mom is kind of busting his chops every chance she gets. He sees a, a couple of All Might shirts that he really likes and she, he wants to get some and she slaps them and she's just like, oh, you're not still wasting money on that garbage, are you? And he, he turns around and he's like, no, no, just window shopping. But then when they walk off, he goes, oh, okay, but actually I'll go ahead and buy one. And it's this like special edition collaboration, uh, with All Might. And I don't know if it's another hero or something. Uh, but they call it an uh, Asak. I'm gonna butcher this. Asakusa. Yeah. Asakusa Thundergate exclusive All Might hoodie. Uh, and it looks pretty cool. I mean, it's got some kanji on the front. I don't know what it stands for. 
but he ends up picking one up. They go get on the bus, and this this chapter is just so crazy. I don't even know how it works, but there's like a stray cat that's on the bus, and you know, like when I say on the bus, I don't mean in the bus with the passengers. He's literally on top of the bus. Everyone's getting on, and that we do get a quick scene before this happens where uh, Koichi's mom talks about wanting to switch Koichi uh, with with Mikado because she likes her so much, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, but then this cat that I'm talking about gets stung by one of Queen Bee's bees with the trigger, and it just goes like quirked up. I didn't know cats had quirks, but I guess this cat does because it gets huge and like absorbs the bus and turns into the bus. It's so strange. Like I, this is so crazy to me. Yeah. So a, a couple things real fast. First, Koichi's mom's name is Shoko. Um, okay. I'm sure it was just said and we missed it. And uh, secondly, I, for the longest time, it is, uh, it's 7.58 p.m. Eastern time where I live. And uh, I just realized at like 7.28 that it was Tuesday because that's just the life that I'm living right now. Um, and so I, I jumped on Twitter real fast and posted a My Hero Academia Trivia Tuesday. And that piece of oh, trivia nice. actually had to do with this cat because this is the second animal in My Hero canon. That is confirmed to have had a quirk. Uh, the first one being uh, your your favorite little Nezu, bear right? mouse, yeah, cat marsupial Nezu. So I uh, think Nezu is probably actually an alien. <laughs> well, as far as the wiki is concerned, he was an animal at some time who is confirmed to have had a quirk, and now this cat is the second one. And the cat, remember how I was complaining about how Wolverine is this recurring character and has the worst quirk name ever with like two wooden swords <laughs> out of hands. This yes. cat has a quirk name. Um, monster Cat. <laughs> yeah, it's not great, but still, it, it's Monster Cat. So yeah, it, it, um, I looked it up, and it just basically allows it to fuse with, um, with other objects to become this like cat-other-object hybrid. Um, Interesting. So it looks like something out of My Neighbor Totoro when it does this. Totally, yeah. No, you're totally right. The other thing that had me cracking up is our local uh, like bus system is named Cat. So it's literally the Cat Bus. Uh, it's like Knoxville Area Transmit, I think. Oh, but gotcha. it's shortened to cat. And so like I saw this and I'm like, oh, it's a cat bus. And it just in, in my notes, I had that cracking me up. <laughs> they embrace the Mortal Kombat way of spelling. Um, yeah. This cat taking over the bus becomes significant for a couple of different reasons. Um, pro- probably first and foremost is because Shoko, Mikado, and uh, Koichi are all on this bus when it uh, becomes catified. And right. This thing gets spooked, as cats do, I guess. Uh, Trigger is possibly uh, contributing to this. Maybe it had just a touch of catnip in it. Who knows? But this thing starts hauling tail down the uh, down the streets and it catches the attention of Knuckle Duster, who eventually calls in Pop Step for some backup. Right. But at first, he doesn't want to do anything about it. He just wants to leave it to the pros because he's like, well, cats can't give me information, so I don't really care. Like The only reason he goes after it is because he notices that Koichi's on it. So he calls Pop in. Uh, and you know, it's funny cause she's like, he's trapped on a runaway bus. Seriously, man, that kid's got the worst luck. <laughs> he really does. Yeah, he does. And then she, she brings along some, uh, like it's a, uh, broom or a feather duster and duct tape. And my, in, in my notes, I immediately was like, he's not going to make a cat toy. Is yes, he? he is. That's sure enough, it's man. It's the delightfully bonkers element of this chapter that makes it so great to be honest. <laughs> um, because, yeah, he call, when he calls her, he was like, I need you to bring some weird, you know, uh, I need you to bring me this, uh, like a feather duster and some duct tape. And he rips the pole off of some, something uh, on the roof that he's standing on. Looks like and a flag or something. Yeah, yeah. And that's 100% his plan is to make a cat toy. And I'll be damned if it's not effective. <laughs> it's super effective. It's great. So Ingenium shows up on the scene. 
Uh, he runs, catches up to the bus. Um, he recognizes Koichi, but of course, you know, superhero code. He doesn't say anything. I love the way that they like look at each other and then immediately do that like yeah. 180 degree turn look in away. opposite directions. Not yeah. suspicious at all <laughs> to anybody paying attention because all eyes would be on Ingenium right now. And right. then for him to like look at somebody and then do that like self-conscious turn away, that would have been, that would have drawn some pretty big attention, but uh, that's yeah. neither here nor there for now. But Ingenium is trying to figure out what's the best move here because it's moving down a street that's heading towards an urban area. But that's where Knuckle Duster and Pop Step come in. He does make this giant cat toy and he basically <laughs> throws it down a street that sends it down the interstate instead of like uh, back in towards the city. Right. But there's a huge problem because that interstate is where the overpass was destroyed in the last chapter from the big monster. Uh, I don't know if it was the last chapter, but it's the chapter with the, uh, the captain celebrity is what I think his name was. Oh, God. We're not ha- we don't have to talk about him again. Not today, anyway. Right. So the cat bus is basically headed toward its doom with a whole bunch of passengers. And Ingenium just says, okay, well, now we've got a time limit. <laughs> uh, and he's actually doing like a lot of math in his head. It's really cool. Like Ingenium probably went up a couple notches for me in this, this chapter and the next one, just because he, the way that we got to see inside his head was really cool. Like just the way he is assessing the situation nonstop, you know? And so he's, he's calling on his uh, pit two crew and they're trying to make, he's trying to make sure that they're on the way and Koichi's inside. And he's like, how are we going to get people out of here? What are we going to do? And so he's got his pit crew moving up next to the cat bus going the same speed and he's like all right well we're gonna move all these people into the other bus and koichi's like there's no way we're ever going to be able to get this done it's way too dangerous everything's shaking it's crazy and ingenium says well that's where my promising new recruit comes in and we get introduced to enigma possibly the creepiest new hero that i've seen i mean he looks like the face monster from uh what is it called uh oh i'm it's blanking. one of the miyazaki films it's I know it is about. yeah but here's the thing, Adam, this isn't a new hero to us. We've seen Enigma before. Do you, do you not remember this? No, I don't remember Enigma. Okay, so I can't remember the exact circumstances, but remember that this creature was... Spirited away is what I'm thinking of. Sorry. Away. Yeah. So, so when this, have we seen Enigma? This creature, it was in another volume of Vigilantes, the, one of the other two. Um, was it? Yeah, you remember it was walking downtown and it was like asking people for directions to Ingenium's place. And yes. they took it as a villain. That's yep. who this is. It's that You're girl totally with the right. creepy eyeballs. Yep, I remember that now. So okay. Now we know that she did find her way to uh, Ingenium's uh, hero agency and is now a functioning uh, member of the team, which is pretty nice cool catch. for him to bring that back. Like It felt very um, like one-shotty, that original introduction, but uh, you know that it was just like, oh, it's just a little, you know, a little goof or shtick. Um, and then uh, now they bring her back. I'm pretty sure it's a her too, Enigma. I think so. Yeah, I like that. That's cool. I I didn't realize that's who it was, but you're totally right. Uh, and Enigma is able to get mostly everybody out of the bus, except for Koichi, his mother, and Mikado. And uh, as they're pulling uh, Koichi and the mother out of the bus, Queen Bee is like, well, you know, they're saving the day. That's not any fun. How about some more trigger? And just doses this cat again, which causes it to freak out and take off, leaving Mikado in the bus. So now this bus is going like even faster, heading towards its doom with Mikado inside. Koichi's freaking out. Ingenium starts to run off, uh, but he's out of juice. Well, he's out of gas, is what he says, Um, which is funny because then all of a sudden Koichi's like right next to him with some grapefruit drink. Yeah. Like literally juice. Yeah. They say you use juice as fuel, Ingenium. I never knew that. Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, and then of course he does his whole, I'm the man who blankety blanks the crawler. Um, yeah. and he does that with Ingenium, which I thought was really funny. This time he says, uh, I'm the man who cloaks himself in the history and culture of Asuka, uh, Asakusa, the crawler Thundergate special. Yeah, that's uh, great. So, uh, Anyway, he's not the backup that Ingenium was expecting, but it's who he has to work with anyway, because some of the other sidekicks are um, not fast enough to catch up at this point. Um, the cat has redoubled its speed. Ingenium is obviously a speed hero, and Koichi has a speed quirk of his own, and so it's it's kind of by default this is who he has to work beside. And it's cool because uh, once Ingenium kind of realizes all this, he says, let's move, partner, and there's this cool scene where you know he's running... Uh, and then Koichi's doing his slide and glide next to him all intense and fiercely. And it's, it's super cool. I liked it. I did. I like it too. It's, it's pretty, pretty neat. Cause he's like, you know, I realize I can't do this alone. Uh, how about you just avoid combat and reckless locomotion at all costs and don't go overboard. And he's like breaking all these things down. Like, okay, you're a civilian. I'm not technically accepting your help, but if you're here and you're going to be here, let's do these two things, you know? Yep. And that moves us straight into, uh, episode or chapter 18 which is called force of will acceleration and we get a little bit of recapitulation um, which i talk about i think with uh some frequency on this podcast because it happens a lot inside of the anime and now in the manga which is basically the idea that we've already seen something happen and now they kind of hit rewind and change viewpoints basically on the scene and we get uh to see what was going on simultaneously elsewhere um, while Ingenium and Koichi were having their conversation. So we back back up, um, kind of back to where Pitto 2 is, um, and Koichi is, at this time, decides, you know, uh, with with Mikado still on that bus, I'm going to use what I have, which is the, that brand new All Might, um, you know, m- memorabilia jacket, and do his best crawler um, and uh, suit up. And his mom tries to scold him. Um, and she's like, don't take another step. This is no place for civilians to take action. And she's using her like fly swatter quirk and slapping him on the back of the head. I looked this up. All it really is, is it says that she's, she sends energy waves from her hands and can attack from a further distance than her, than her normal reach. So So here's a question. How, how is her using her quirk any worse than him using his? Um, Is it because it's like personal use? Like she's just smacking her son upside the head, but like. I don't know. I just feel like if a pro hero or a cop saw her use her quirk in public, wouldn't that be breaking the law as equally so? Well, sure, but I don't think that's what she's scolding him for. Is not that he's about to use his quirk oh, no, in public no, no, no. so much as he's about to in you know interject right. himself into a dangerous situation. Sure, no, I just mean like from the legal perspective, not from yeah. his perspective. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another funny thing, real quick, before we move on. Whenever they're like, I say they're. Whenever Ingenium's team is talking about what they're going to do, he he pops up and he's like, I'm the man who can move reasonably fast. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. I love his reaction, too, to his mom using her oh, work on him. Yeah, it's awesome. She's because like, he just turns his head and just says, there's no time for that. And he says it confidently and fiercely. And, you know, he's I think that since since the mom came onto the scene, he's felt very much like the kid. Yeah, um, you know the young child in this relationship, and here is is this time where he kind of says, "Hey, I have autonomy, um, and I can make decisions for myself, and I'm going to do this." And it kind of shocks his mom, um, but it was a cool little character beat, I think, for him as well. I thought so too, because it kind of shows that he's doing what he wants to do, regardless of what she thinks, and he's gonna do it for the greater of mankind, kind of. You know what I mean? Like he's being a hero, or just for Mikado, because well, you know, you know. There's that. Sure. 
there's that. But what's great is the moment after the mom kind of like sways in the scene, uh, Knuckle Duster is right there behind her and he's like, are you okay, ma'am? Are you hurt? And Pop shows up. She's saying she can help with first aid. And then we transition back over to uh, the heroes. But I love that the two of them are there because it just sort of forces that story or that narrative that they've set up that they're all part of some sort of, you know, nonprofit agency where they're like helping people with their quirks. So it, it kind of just, it looked really good for them, you know, uh, but back to the present, uh, we've got Ingenium and Koichi chasing after the cat bus and the tails on this cat bus are attacking both of them. So Ingenium comes up with this idea. He's like, all right, sorry, crawler, but you're going to have to be the bait. And so he, and so Koichi switches to the front of the bus to kind of distract this cat. So Ingenium can get in there and try and help out. Yeah. And, uh, Mikado sees him coming and she actually cries out that she sees the crawler. Yeah, <laughs> uh, super funny. She learns better um, by the end of this chapter. Spoiler alert. Um, but yeah, so Koichi kind of zips to the front of this thing and the little hair Pidgeotto things from All Might's hoodie that Koichi's wearing like catches it attention, catches its attention uh, and gets it all excited. And uh, Ingenium tries to get closer, uh, try to take, tries to take advantage basically of this whatever opening that he thought he saw uh, and the tails keep getting in the way and then it speeds off even faster. It's accelerating. And now Ingenium, I, I guess he does a super move called Forced Cooldown. At least that's what it looked like it was. Like a he tries to, yeah. Thing. He's like he's trying to decide whether or not he's going to do Forced Cooldown. I thought. Okay, um, but yeah, he's he's really struggling because he's like he's running out of gas slash juice. Um, but this bus is still uh, hurtling towards the end of this bridge, and there's still somebody in peril. Now, technically, two people in peril because uh, Koichi is still up there. Um, but he actually ends up. Koichi is who I mean by he. He zooms past Ingenium, and I really like this because he just says, Ingenium's trying to tell him off, like, it's too dangerous. But uh, Koichi, you know, because Mikado's on that bus, uh, he says, you know, the end of the road is, you know, 200 meters ahead. I've, I've got to, I've got to tell, he tells Ingenium to stop. He's like, you hit the brakes. I'm going to will myself to go faster. And this made me think of um, Goku going Super Saiyan 3 for the first time for some mm-hmm. weird reason, where he's just like, this is what it's like to go even further beyond. Yeah. Um, so he starts willing himself and starts screaming, and it manages to catch back up to the bus and bursts onto the scene, of course, with his cowl down uh, and his hoodie off. And he bursts on and he says, I am here, just like All Might. Um, and Mikado is very confused because she first calls him the crawler. But then she realizes that it's actually Koichi, which, you know, the two aren't, they're the same person. Right. But she doesn't think that at first because she used her quirk on him a couple chapters ago. So she doesn't realize that, that they're one and the same. And it's all because she's called him the wrong thing, which is just so ironic. Yeah. Uh, because he's kept correcting people. Every chapter, at least, he says his name once. And he, it's always like, I'm the man that does so-and-so the crawler. And no one gives him any time of day. Uh, and here he is saving her life, you know? But. The cat bus goes right off the side of this broken down bridge, uh, and it is now in a free fall. And Ingenium pulls off this ultimate move uh, where he like basically just turns into a rocket. He calls it rocket charge. And as he is flying off the edge of this bridge, Koichi has grabbed Mikado and is using his like three-point stance to slide up the bus. And he's going to try to basically intersect. It reminded me a lot of when they saved Bakugo from All for One. Uh, so, you know, he's, he's going to try to connect and they just barely miss each other. And whenever they barely miss, he just has this moment of like willpower where he's able to basically double jump. It's like he uses his quirk on air. It's really cool. It is really cool. And it, it confused me when I first, uh, 
Reddit, uh, because again, this is an application of his quirk that we're unaccustomed to. We've never seen this before. Um, but right after he does this, he calls it the force of will acceleration. And he does pull off what even he, I think later on in this chapter calls a double jump. Um, and he looks, it looks very much like gentle's quirk did yeah, like visually, it does. little platforms underneath his feet. Totally. Um, and he's able to leap up and get, uh, Mikado at least into the arms of Ingenium. He kind of, um, doesn't quite make it, but he still lands safely. But between that jump and uh, them landing safely, you get this like discussion of um, from the mom, basically saying that when he was a boy, he was always like flying, like he was. He, uh, what did what did she say? Floating, like he could float floating before he could stand. Yeah. Um, and so and she started swatting him to keep him grounded, basically like physically grounded. It makes me wonder if he didn't realize he could do that because he had been conditioned to not do it, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think that that's definitely what was going on um, because, you know, his quirk isn't him really in contact with the, with the ground or with the bus or with the building. Yeah, that's true. Up. I hadn't like, thought of that. Yeah, there's a buffer. It's almost like, you know, a, a disc on an air hockey table almost. Um, and so apparently he's able to use that that space or that force between the ground, um, you know, that he had been using centimeters of maybe, and now he's able to, um, you know, use it at much greater heights. At the end of this chapter, he's got a uh, pop step out there with a uh, measuring tape trying to figure out exactly how high he can go. Um, but I think that that'll be, a, you know, a, a wrinkle to his quirk that will de be developed more and more um, now that he knows, like, he can do it and his mother's basically confirming that this is well within his abilities. He just may have to relearn how to do it. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like they just like retconned his powers. Like, oh, we're going to give him a boost and here's why it's acceptable. <laughs> right. Uh, and, you know, they, they end up leaving the scene of the crime. Everyone seems to be relatively happy. Uh, they're back at his little apartment. Mom seems happy. Like, all right, these people can take care of you. I think I'm just going to go ahead and leave. And but he, at first he's like, oh, you're leaving already? Take your time. Stay a while. Why don't you? And she smacks him and she says, don't say what you don't mean. <laughs> uh, I like that. Uh, and, you know, he, she tells both Pop and um, Knuckle Duster, take care of my son. And then she kind of leaves. Uh, she does tell Mikado that, uh, you know, she's like, I realize that things kind of went a little haywire today, but give some thought to you um, joining our family. Uh, so, you know, she's trying to pull some strings for Koichi, or maybe she's trying to get rid of him and swap him, like she mentioned earlier. I don't know. Yeah, that was such a weird conversation. Wasn't it? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, yeah. But then the, you're right. There's that little bit at the end where Pop is measuring uh, Koichi off the ground, and she's like, well, that's 30 centimeters. So I guess it's probably, you know, it's good. You could like skim right over some curbs. That could come in handy. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a pretty solid joke. That I did too. Could, uh, hop a curb. Yep. But, oh, he uh, learned how to ollie on a skateboard. Right. And she, she doesn't believe him because obviously this took place like beyond their sight. So she's like, right. you sure you weren't imagining things? You know, you just uh, imagined or had the illusion that your quirk actually did this, this other thing. And he thinks, uh, he has this line where he says, I think it was like I was imbued with the power of Asakusa. And I think that that's a city in Japan. Um, Possibly. I mean, there's not a whole bunch. I just did a quick search of it um, and I didn't come up with much, but there's a thing. It looks like it's Asakusa, a Tokyo. So maybe yeah, that's what it is. It's a district in uh, Tokyo. It looks like it's yeah. famous for a Buddhist temple, apparently. Oh, well, that's interesting because there was that talk of how he was like the Buddha at the beginning of that mm -hmm. chapter. Um, 
Yeah, because they were talking about how calm and collected he was at the mall. That was at the beginning yeah. of last chapter. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if that's what the connection is. But regardless, the, the end of this chapter is uh, Knuckle Duster saying it has nothing to do with Asakusa. Um, and yeah. I think that that's a, that's a poignant. He's, he's, even though he didn't witness it because he was still hanging back with Pop Step, I think that he, he's catching on. Uh, or, or at least believes or trusts and is curious or, or willing to grant Takamichi well, isn't just imagining things. The mom was the one telling Knuckle Duster about oh, yeah, that old right. power, so he's aware. He knows, because he tells her a parent can worry all they like, but every kid's got to fly sooner or later. Yeah. So I think he totally has this idea of, like, I've got this kid that I could probably really turn into a hero. Like, he's got a real quirk. He doesn't even know what he's got. Yeah, he thinks it's pretty lame and, and very limited, and I think he's said... Th- almost that exact same thing in previous chapters. But, but it doesn't uh, have to be. This, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, 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 it is more than, than he knows it to be because his mom was doing this conditioning to kind of break him of this, this capability of his from infancy. I mean, he's a tiny baby when he's uh, flying or floating around the rooms. It's definitely reasonable that he would have no memory at all of him flying like that. I think it's also interesting, too, that it shows that he manifested his quirks so early. Like, Yeah, because don't they normally manifest around like four or five? Yeah, definitely older than, I mean, he's literally in a onesie with a diaper um, yeah. floating around. So I thought that that was odd, um, like a weird variant, maybe, uh, or deviance from what, we, what we've been told is the way things work. Well, but there uh, was but the one baby that was born glowing. That was yeah. the original quirk. So I guess maybe they, if they don't develop by four or five, then you go and have your kid checked out. Yeah, that checks out. I mean, maybe that's the window of time. Right. Or, or at the very least, maybe he is an outlier, like the shining baby would be an outlier. Normally they manifest, you know, in early uh, childhood, but there are instances, rarer um, instances where it manifests earlier than that. But could you imagine some of these babies, like it was some of the quirks that we're familiar with now manifesting in an infant, like how Dude. crazy and dangerous that would be. <laughs> if my 10 month old could fly, I would be a nervous wreck because he'd be getting into everything. Yeah. Or if he, you know, was half hot, half cold. Yeah. You know, or, you know, if he could like explode old. his glycerin and yeah. cause massive explosions. Yeah. Nope. Don't want that. <laughs> yeah. That Not unless some... I have a, a quirk like Aizawa where I can shut it down, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, infancy is already scary enough and comes with plenty of other explosions of a type uh, that they yes. don't need any help on that front. They, they definitely are. They're, they're quirky enough. But, right. Know, let, the, let the quirk itself actually come later. I'm for that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get into these special chapters. Uh, you know, depending on where you're going to read them, they're list, they may be listed as 18.5 and 18.6 or uh, SP1 and SP2. I've seen both of those. Uh, SP1 is named the Hero Conference, and the first panel is Pop like checking on Koichi and Knuckle Duster, and it looks like they're probably in a ramen shop or something, and they're watching the news, uh, and they're talking. The news is talking about All Might, and then it transitions into this big conference room, uh, the conference on surge of instant villains in Naruhata, and it looks like there's some sort of police commissioner there, and he's got a bunch of our old friends, our old pals. Uh, best genus, manual, snipe. There's a, a guy in my issue named Desuda Goro, but it looks like Death Hands. I don't know who that is. I think that is Death Hands. I okay. don't think I think that that was just like a um like maybe that's his for some reason they used his his 
quote unquote given name. I'll check that on the wiki real quick. Gotcha. And then of course Endeavor's there and you know it's kind of weird because it's a younger Endeavor and he's not all flamed up. Like I assumed that when Endeavor is at home he's got flame on. You know what I mean? But he appears to just be in like a normal suit. Uh, and then there's Aizawa, 13 is there, Midnight's there. So there's a handful of heroes that we recognize. And this police commissioner is what I'm going to call him. I don't know exactly what he is, if he's an investigator. Uh, he doesn't even introduce himself. I don't think he says his name or anything. Uh, he's got these heroes, and he's talking to them about how they are going to start handling interactions with villains. Because all of the villains that they picked up a couple of days ago weren't actually villains. And man, does this piss Endeavor off. Like... He he keeps interrupting this guy, and he's like, what? So every time we're going to go after a villain, you know, we got to, like, stop and check their IDs. And, I mean, he's just kind of, he's following the slippery slope, uh, you know, argument there. Yeah, so he's he's pretty frustrated with this. And I think you and I, when when these instant villains popped up, we talked about the fact that they weren't villains so much as victims because of the way that uh, Honey or Slash Queen Bee sent uh, the, the trigger bees to sting all these people. And they were basically just panicking. But they were doing so in a way that everybody else interpreted as uh, intentionally violent, um, right? And so, the, and they were they were smacked down quickly, like within a, two pages. We were talking about how quickly so many pro heroes just came in and just laid waste to these people. I mean, All Might too, he dropped from nowhere out of the sky and like drops one of the giant villains in that scene. And uh, Endeavor is getting frustrated with all this because. You know, uh, he's basically being told that they live in a litigious society. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, welcome to the real world, dude, because this guy's like, you know, our, our agencies will make hospital visits and we have uh, to visit the wounded and we've got to pay their medical bills. And, uh, you know, it's being reported on, blah, blah, blah. And uh, Endeavor is just like, he quotes what I think is the, like, the law as it's written, uh, as far as, like, hero engagement with villains goes in one of these panels, because he... he it's quote, it's got quotes around it. And it says those using quirks unlawfully are to be viewed as villains and dealt with as such. And he says that basic principle ain't about to change. Like he's like, that's the line. That's the one that, that I'm sticking to. I'm going to keep it old school. Um, and the matter he gets, the more his fire begins to like creep out around his little, uh, you know, uh, mustache and, uh, and beard. And so he's, he's getting literally fired up over this discussion. Well, and this is kind of what I was bringing up earlier, where, like, do you think Endeavor would beat up or, or take into custody Koichi's mom for smacking somebody with her quirk? Like, because that kind of falls into this, right? I mean, she's on, she's not a hero. She doesn't have a license to use her quirk in public. Yeah, but I, we've also seen where just, like, street beat cops are capable of, like, stopping people and, and cautioning them about their quirks. So I think they, they do have, like, some way of of because diff- like Koichi, you remember, got stopped by that cop when he yeah, was that's using right. the slide and glide. That's right. So they they do have built into the in- infrastructure, like all right, police up to the you know up to some point until this escalates to a place where you know it, a, a hero is needed, then you can try to de-escalate the situation, intervene, tell them to stop, write them a fine, whatever the case may be. Um, so I, I think that they're there must be somewhere a way of of determining all right where where do where do fines suffice or warnings verbal warnings and when do pro heroes need to be called in uh no i don't think that shoko is going to have like endeavor just come up and like slap her for <laughs> using the fly swatter against koichi in public i hope not and you know azawa kind of points through this too because he's thinking in his head as endeavor says this he says uh 
He left out, those suspected of villainy are to be subdued and have their identities confirmed. There are existing policies in place for dealing with gray zone opponents like that. So Aizawa seems to kind of have this idea that like Endeavor already is probably taking things too far. Uh, but he is reminded of Knuckle Duster by Endeavor. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, and I think like if if um, Endeavor had the gung-ho-ness, like the ferocity of of Knuckle Duster, then I think he might go around smacking flyswatter um, because, <laughs> you know, Knuckle Duster is so, he, he's so quick to act. I mean, once he's decided that a thing is wrong, he goes over the top. I mean, he chases people down and, and pulls their tongues out. Right. Right. Which is a violation of who knows how many laws. Really. Sure. Sure. Um, so thankfully, as, as much crap as we give Endeavor, I think he's very, he's on an extreme. Um, but in his mind, he is sticking to the letter of the law, even when he's kind of, conveniently forgetting or circumventing other pieces of it like Aizawa is talking about. Sure. And, you know, it seems like this commissioner kind of agrees with him. He's like, yeah, it really is kind of a problem, but we were hoping for softer, more PR-friendly comments. And Endeavor cuts him off, and he's like, oh, so you want public appeal? Well, then you need to get him, our number one hero. And that's when Sukuichi, who we are familiar with, uh, pops in. is like, oh, well, I've already spoken with All Might. And, oh, so this is what he actually says the commissioner's name, Tanuma. Um, and, and so Tanuma's like, oh, great. What did he say? And pretty much All Might just says, understood. I'll have to judge extra carefully going forward. So <laughs> it's just very canned response. Uh, and it, it just pisses Endeavor off too. <laughs> of course it does. Yeah. Because All Might's the poster boy and Endeavor can't be the poster boy. And the funny thing about it is the only thing keeping Endeavor from being like All Might is Endeavor. And I mean, he obviously knows that now that where we are in the show, but it's just interesting seeing how far back his anger goes, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's literally and figuratively a hot-headed individual. Yes. Um, yep. And we, we start to see some of that cooling off um, in My Hero proper, um, but this is before all of that. So They even um, have him in panels where he, they write smoldering next to him. Right, yeah. I mean, he's like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's pretty, he's pretty ticked off about this. Um, so they all leave, uh, this conference and, uh, Midnight actually stops Aizawa and begins to kind of talk with him about this, this opportunity that she's had presented to her by Nezu actually about going to be a teacher at UA. Yeah. And, uh, at first I was kind of bummed because she mentions like, Oh, what, you know, Yamada couldn't come. And then there's a panel of him screaming into his cell phone that he's got a cold. Uh, so present Mike is not in these chapters, but that's okay. I'm hoping we get some present Mike. I'd love to see him in this. Uh, and I love the fact that midnight makes fun of Aizawa for wearing basically pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> that's man. Listen, you know, I don't know where he keeps it, but that sleeping bag is close to. Oh, you know it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but she is, she's talking about going and teaching for Nezu and man, I got to tell you, I don't know how yours was translated, but the website that I'm reading this on, this scene was creepy. It's listen, there is literally an entire page in vigilantes volume three where midnight is talking about masturbation. Okay, yeah, then it, that's what it is. Because <laughs> that's straight up what it is. I want to read some of this if you're all right with that. I don't I'm care. I'm sure it matches what you have, but I'll be curious to hear if it's any different. So in the, in the like English produced and sold at, at your local Barnes & Noble version of Vigilante's Volume 3, she says, it'll be wonderful, all that youthful blood, sweat, tears, and other dot, dot, dot fluids. <laughs> yeah. And as I was in the background, and he's just like, fluids? Like he's, he's, he keeps questioning the, everything that she says. She says, like, if you ask me, kids, kids without outlets to help them really burst during puberty are the ones who grow up to be villains and crim criminals, so I'll be there to wring it out of them. And her hand is, like, 
doing a squeezing motion in this. Ooh, and Aizawa, yeah. again, is picking up on the double entendre because he's in the background just going, ring it out. And he's just like, what a disturbing bit of educational theory. And he just decides to walk off. <laughs> yeah, he says, see ya. And he's walking away. It's great. And, and then another strange thing happens where... This guy breaks through the doors and he's like, people think they can make a fool out of me. Well, I hate the cops and I'm going to blow my lid and take you all down with me. And he is literally a bomb. Like he <laughs> is. He's the juggernaut. That's what he looks like. Yeah, he, he does. Like the juggernaut in a trench coat. Um, yep. But yeah, his head is like a bomb, which is an unfortunate quirk. It reminds me of um, there was a series uh, of X-Men comics called Worst X-Men Ever where this kid finds out that his quirk is that he can self-destruct, but he can only do it once. Um, <laughs> that seems like what this guy's uh, power is. By the way, if you haven't read that, The Worst X-Men Ever, um, it is fantastic. It's written by Max Bemis, um, and it's, it's silly, but it's also amazing, uh, especially uh, the, the, the payoff at the end of that series. It's a mini-series. It's only like four issues, maybe, but it is excellent. Highly recommended, The Worst X-Men Ever. But this guy <laughs> runs in here, and... He has some kanji on his forehead that says self-destruct, which becomes important here in just a second. Um, as if it weren't obvious that he is a bomb, he also is wearing a bomb vest that has like 30 other sticks of dynamite. His fingers are sticks of dynamite. I mean, this dude is just one big old walking uh, pyrotechnic show, which is waiting to blow. He's got, it looks like a, where you would have frockets on a shirt. It just looks like there's like plastic explosives, like C4, yeah, like C4 or something stuck yeah. on there. And he, yeah. it looks like he's wearing a turtleneck, which cracks me up. Oh, he uh, definitely is. And it is also <laughs> great. And I think it was just because, like, I was thinking about that from an artistic place. What do you do with a neck with somebody who has presumably a completely round head? You just cover it up because how the hell do you draw that? That's you know? fair. Yeah. Um, I would draw it like just, a pencil, I think. It would have to be super goofy. Yeah. So I think that they just, I think that really is what the artist did was like, if he's got a perfectly spherical head, what do you do with a neck? How do you draw that? <laughs> I would just so put funny. a sweater on him. It's fine. Well, just move along. Endeavor decides he's going to take this guy out. He's already pissed off enough. And so he flames on and he's like about to go punch this guy. And Midnight realizes like self-destruction plus fire. That's a bad combo. And right as Endeavor is about to hit this guy, Aizawa dashes out in front and is able to like swing or not swing. I guess he like wraps this bomb head up with his, his scarf and pulls him away while Endeavor just punches a hole in the ground. And then at it like an, I totally didn't expect this. Midnight like rips her shirt off and is like now rubbing Bombhead's head through her breasts and calming him down. So, yeah, the self destruct kanji on his forehead now has a question mark at the end. So yeah, self destruct and like, it's <laughs> kind of suggestive almost. Yeah, but you remember like we we have never really had like a proper explanation. I mean, I, we 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 get a little bit of it in of of midnight's work i mean in my hero academia so, yeah because she used it on uh Mineta, didn't she and saro yeah yeah so she's got i'll remind you it's called somnambulist and so it allows her to put nearby people to sleep by exuding a sleep inducing aroma from her body um and it, it also works better on males than on females but um she is one that does have it it matters that her skin is exposed she was one of the pro heroes at the beginning who had like a super racy costume because kind of like Momo, her quirk is it, it is enhanced the more skin is showing. 
So she literally splits her blouse, um, like pops these buttons off and just shoves this dude's face down into her chest. And she says some creepy stuff to him, too. Yeah. Did you notice that his uh, his like spark went out on his head? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so she tells him, listen, kid, next time you feel like acting out, come to me. I'll give you a good spanking. And then she kisses him. And she also apparently has her own like fan club or possibly assistants called the midnight boys yeah and she just like hands this bomb man over to them who are like absolutely worshiping her and they're super jealous that you know he's been like rubbed up all over and did you notice the kanji on his forehead changes and it now says bliss no yeah <laughs> oh yeah geez i missed that i yeah. see it now i thought that day. was That's great funny. And the the funniest thing about this or i say funny it, it kind of cracked me up the whole time after all of this goes down She's talking to Aizawa and they're having a full-blown conversation and she never rebuttons her shirt up. Like I don't know if they if she broke the buttons oh, or yeah. or she not. Broke it. I mean, the word the automatopoeia for that panel is pop. Okay. I mean, and fair she enough. almost pops all up out of that shirt in that panel. I thought it was uh pretty dang racy. Yeah. Yeah, so th- yeah, that button's gone. It's history. I mean, it was barely containing those things uh to try to <laughs> circumnavigate talking about uh, her breasts more specifically. But she loses at least two buttons looking at uh, judging on panels uh, that uh, she was had that thing buttoned up uh, from before well, and the popping. The whole time she's kind of like standing there exposed, she's talking to Aizawa about maybe him being a teacher. And he just says hilarious with this funny smile and then kind of slinks off. And, uh, you know, he says something like uh, me, a teacher. Yeah, right. Never heard anything so irrational. And the very next panel is like him the next day. He's tackled some sort of villain and he's got a phone call from midnight that just says, I went ahead and recommended you to the principal. <laughs> and so it begins. And I like I'm at the end. Because I'm a big fan of Aizawa. So. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine if, if Aizawa hadn't been the homeroom teacher? Miss Midnight, I think, was supposed to be the homeroom teacher originally. Really? Yeah, I think that that's, I don't remember where I read that, but I'm fairly certain that she was originally, like, picked to be their homeroom teacher, and they made the change. Huh. That's so cool. could you imagine? No. <laughs> like, her <laughs> being the teacher that we see more, of, uh, more often than anyone else? That would have been interesting. I did like the uh, behind the scenes at the end of this, that it talk about the rough design of the bomb villain, and... uh this guy, I, I, his last name is Betton, I suppose. One of the artists, I, I guess. He says, giving the whole bomb angle, I imagine he must have been a tunnel engineer or something up until this point. Hence the blue collar worker outfit. And I didn't really put two and two together, but I guess he is kind of in like work boots and a you know a pair of work pants. He's got work gloves on and everything. That moves us into SP2, which is called Hero Visit. And we're tagging along with uh, Sukoichi, who is, um, this is again like recapitulation because this happens before sp1 technically because during sp1 you get sukoichi reporting to that that dude holding that little hero um you know round table discussion about the pop-up villains that all might has already responded to this in this way um and so he has he has gone in at least i think that's right am i misreading no that's totally what happened that's exactly what happened um, so he's, he's going to, uh, meet with All Might, um, but he's, he's just come back in from rounding up this, like, cowboy hero who, um, this panel where he's, or this, not this cowboy hero, obviously a villain, um, and he chops his horn off, um, but he, this, this panel kind of reminds me, did you ever watch Cowboy Bebop? Oh, yeah. Have we talked about that before? Yeah, yeah. You know the, the, the bounty hunter television show where they're like, oh, you know, oh, there's yeah. these two women in racy 
cowboy outfits. Yeah. It's almost like they're here in this, uh, in this, cause that's kind of what's going on here. It's cow, cow, cowboy and a stampeding Holstein herd are here to lay claim to the North starring, uh, starting with this here ranch. And then all Mike comes in and chops off his horn and, uh, you know, is impressed. The, the press is eating this up. One of the people of this ranch that, uh, that he just protected is trying to basically give him all these milk products, milk, cheese, yogurt, cookies, butter, all this stuff. Um, he makes a really bad uh, pun. I think you and I have talked about pun is just not my comedic language of choice. These aren't even good puns, so they're not even that comedic. <laughs> yeah, but he just says that's more than enough dairy for me, and I was just like, "All my you." Sometimes you get worse. They even included this like zing next to the comment, so yeah, yeah. they were really trying to push that one there. Uh, but then he, I didn't, you know, that's funny about this issue is like, I hadn't even considered that All Might had his own agency. I guess I just assumed that because he's been kind of a lone warrior and not involved in other agencies that he kind of just did his own thing. But this is like his own tower. Like there's a statue of him in the lobby. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd pictured it like quite like this as depicted in my head, but I did know yeah. like from his time with uh, Sir Nighteye that there was like an agency teamwork function thing going on there. And that's hinted at in here or talked about. There is. Point. Yeah. Cause he mentions having a sidekick that used to do his paperwork. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he so. slams back down into the main lobby and he's got like all of these souvenirs uh, with him. It looks like he's holding like boxes of something. And then he's got some kind of canister, maybe full of milk, I guess. Yep. All of the media wants to interview him, you know, and of course, I'm. we know at this point that he has been injured and he can't keep up his All Might form for super long. So he pretty much rushes out of there and goes behind these, like, mighty doors. And Sokoichi has mentioned that, like, once closed, the impenetrable Might Gate, which is what they call it, <laughs> can only be opened by All Might himself. So if, he, if he's not able to meet up with the big guy or the big man, uh, he's supposed to talk to this other guy named Yagi. Uh, and it's, you know, some guy from the secondary clerical office. And then like out of the corner of the lobby, we see Jinko Jean's All Might. I was super excited about this. Yeah, he comes in and because of his, this fake title that he's given himself inside of his own agency, he's passing out souvenirs as, as if like All Might had given him permission to give away some freebies Yeah, <laughs> um, to some people. It looks like, I couldn't tell if they were on staff or what. Uh, they're definitely I think they were receptionists. Uniform. Yeah, they're yeah. like receptionists. Cause I think Sukoichi was talking to them when he first walked in. Gotcha. But yeah, he he sits down. He even has a, a card, Toshinori Yagi, and it's he's listed as secondary clerical office. So not even primary. I mean, that implies that there's a primary and that he isn't there. Like inside of his own agency, he's All Might himself. And then some like chump from a basement office, you know, <laughs> which right. is really funny. And Sukuichi walks up and mentions that he's supposed to find or that he's looking for Mr. Yagi. And they he introduces himself to All Might, not realizing that they're one and the same. They go to and have lunch together at this like small cafe, and it's so funny because every couple of seconds, All Might sees like something happening, or Sukoichi sees something happening in the streets that needs to be handled, and All Might will be like, "Oh, my stomach's acting up. I'll be right back," and goes and like turns into buff All Might, rescues the day, and then comes back, and then a second later, he's like, "Oh, something else. Wow, I don't know what's going on with my stomach." You know, and the whole time, Sukoichi's trying to like get some information out of him about how pro heroes are handling villains right now and specifically these like instant villains and he's talking about how they're not really ordinary villains because they're just citizens that are being forced to rampage because of this trigger drug but the whole time all might's disappearing to like take care of business he even does it in very superman like fashion in one panel where he's like pulling his shirt apart yeah and you know there's uh the his uniform is underneath it he rushes off and 
does these little small heroic deeds, but then they, they all kind of add together in one scene where like a giant lizard man or robot or whatever that he fights ends up keeping a bridge from collapsing. Like he manages to connect all these things as they happen relatively quickly. He saves a cat, but then he forgets that uh, to give the cat back. So he like <laughs> brings it back to the table with Suko- Sukoichi and his like uniform is hanging out from underneath his shirt. And he hasn't buttoned it back up. And so he's like, he's very exposed. And he starts bleeding too. This is a scene where like, I guess he's exerting himself too much because it's, it's got like splort and he's, you know, spewing blood everywhere. Uh, Sukuichi just says, Mr. Yagi, what's with the cat? So then he, he returns the cat and the next panel is him begging Sukuichi to keep the secret between them. Uh, and, you know, of course, Sukuichi's like, well, of course, like I, I couldn't blab about the number one hero's true identity. Um, so, it, you know, he's in on the secret now, I guess. I wonder at this point in time, how many people know about this secret? I mean, at this point in time, like during SP2, yeah. uh, I mean, we could reasonably say him, probably Sir Nighteye. Um, maybe Nezu, maybe. maybe. Maybe Nezu, but this is probably before UA, so I wouldn't guess Nezu. So it could yeah. just be those, it could just be Nighteye and, and All Might. I bet uh, Gran Torino probably knows. Yeah, that's that's probably true too. That's yeah, a good call. yeah. Um, but it's really funny because All Might basically pulls a Captain America in this scene uh, because uh, Sukuichi is just like, hey, you know that like we're trying to figure out how to do all this paperwork basically for these pop up villains, and All Might's just like writing up all those paperwork is such a pain. You know, I used to have <laughs> this guy that did that, but he starts saying, you know, um, heroes have to follow these rules and regulations. And I understand that. But, you know, you're telling me I can't help people unless I do that paperwork. It seems like you're putting this cart before the horse and I want to help everyone that I can. And I don't feel like that's such a bad thing. So, right. you know, he's like, is it really, you know, a, a, a terrible offense that I'm a hero without, you know, adding on all of this, all this paperwork? So he's, compl- he's very much Captain America in Civil War, where his argument is kind of like, but I liked, and he shows this. I mean, he does this in this chapter. He says, as soon as I see something, I want to, I want to act. You know, I want to go and do. Um, so he, he's just basically saying, I don't have time for paperwork. Night Ike used to do all that stuff for us as a part of that agency. But uh, apparently this is post that split between the two of them. So. It must be, yeah. And, and Sukoichi says something along the lines of like, well, as we see it, once the number one hero starts ignoring the law, that puts us on the road to anarchy as a nation. And All Might's like, well, gosh, I guess so. And Sukuichi, man, what a great guy. He says, well, how about, you know, when you find yourself on these unexpected missions, just drop me a line and I'll draw up the official paperwork. We'll make it an emergency dispatch and it'll all be okay. And All Might's like, really? You know, that'd be a big help. And they they trade phone numbers. And it's so funny because the end of this little chapter here is Sukuichi that it, he appears to just be slammed with paperwork and phone calls one after another coming in from uh, from All Might. In fact, in this panel, it's the 10th one of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy that gave him the name Yagi Tanuma. had to have been yeah. filling this role previously, like for All Might. Um, I don't think I don't I didn't get I didn't read this such that he knew about uh, Jinko Jeans. All Might. I don't think so. No, I just got the feeling that like he was aware that Yagi was creating paperwork for All Might. Right, right. That's how I read that too. So, but yeah, Sukuichi's sitting there at this desk with like three boxes that are just filled past the box limit of paperwork. It's great. I looked up um, too. I know that that's kind of the end of that's actually the end, not only of uh, the four chapters that we were going to cover, but also uh, exactly the end of volume three of Vigilantes, which is a really solid volume. Maybe the best of the three so far. Definitely. I mean, we're getting into some really good stuff here. 
Yeah, it's Vigilantes continues to be excellent, man. I mean, I'm I'm really glad that we decided to explore it because now we we super like it and want to keep reading it. So if you're if you're not doing that yourself, you know, don't take our word for it. You know, I think that what we say about it is right, but of course it's all opinion. You know, we are super liking this. Um, but go go take a test drive yourself. We didn't know what we were getting into. Um, and now now we're confident that this is something that we're going to stick with. And who knows, you know, maybe we, even when the anime comes back up, we'll we'll still keep some Vigilantes content, um, uh, you know, on the radar and, and revisit this manga as consistently as we can. I'm willing to bet that we'll be caught up with Vigilantes by the time that season five comes out. Yeah. Because there's I only would... like 60 chapters, I think. And we're yeah. already up to chapter 19. Yeah. Uh, you know, so four at a time, you know, we still got several episodes for sure of Vigilante's content. So it'll definitely it'll carry us through. Plus, we still got the movie. Um, uh, yeah. The Hero Notes podcast, by the way, has a three and a half like hour long uh, uh, episode on the second movie. Three wow. and a half hours. That's twice as long as the movie is. And that's, I can't wait to listen to it. <laughs> that's a lot of opinions on that movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited to get to it. That's awesome. Well, man, I think last week we had decided we were going to cast another villain. Uh, it was all for one, right? Yeah, so we had kind of, a couple of weeks ago, we had gone back and forth on who we wanted to cast in what order. So we did Shigaraki first, and then we, at that same time, you're like, oh, man, we haven't done all for one either. So we kicked him down, down the road a little bit. Um, last time we cast Shigaraki, this time we're doing all for one. So who do you have there, my friend? I've got two, uh, and I came up with them right before the show started. Like, honestly, right as we hit record, I was like, oh, yeah, we're... Where we're casting those guys. <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten about it too. So we were on even grounds there. Awesome. Awesome. So I decided uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger or Jason Statham. Either of those two. Uh, I think, you know what? Remember how I was like, this person could probably do that? I think Jason Statham was that guy. Oh, really? That I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, be you great. were amped up about somebody. I remember that now. Yeah. He would be great as All for One. I would watch that. I think Schwarzenegger is a stretch for me, um, but I think that Jason Statham would be great. You think Schwarzenegger is a stretch for that one? I mean, come on, like Terminator Schwarzenegger would be perfect for this oh, role. Oh, yeah. I, I forget your rule. Um, yeah, because like, it, it, it could be, be any point in time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's fine. That makes Schwarzenegger sense. now could probably be all for one with the the mask on and everything, with like him being in prison and a little bit older, but I think Jason Statham could probably be him at any point in time. Okay. Jason Statham doesn't look like he ages though. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. he's looked the same since I can remember. <laughs> yeah, he could do I would I would I would be behind Jason Statham being uh being all for one. I have uh three options. I mean, I think Jason Statham is a great one as well. Um, but I have uh three names that came to me as we were sitting down uh to record because I had forgotten all about this. Um but I, I like uh Ralph Phineas, who is um Voldemort in the oh, Harry Potter okay. series. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he can obviously do very menacing stuff. Uh huh. Um, and really, all for one doesn't have to be super jacked. He just has to look good in a suit. Um, so I think I think uh, Fiennes could do that. Uh, Tom Hardy was a name that popped into mind too. That was my third option. Was him. oh, was it? Yep. Tom Hardy. He could. He could. I think he could do that well. And then my last he one could. is Javier uh, Javier Bardem. Um, oh yeah, he would be awesome. Yeah, I think he could. He's got kind of that chiseled face look um, for sure. So I think that he would be a pretty solid offer one. I would want to see all of these guys come out and uh, do a test reading. Um, and then I would have to make my decision on who I would ultimately cast after that. Because all these guys, I think, have a pretty good shot of doing a good job with that role. I totally agree. Yeah. We, we need to create some sort of like Twitter movement uh, to have a casting call and make it sound legit. We could have these <laughs> actors show up, you know, 
Well, when we started casting the live action movie, I actually tagged The Rock and was just like, hey, you know, we're starting this live action casting and we decided to start with All Might and both Adam and I are in 100%. I think this is the only time we've ever been like picked the same guy f- or, or girl for a role was with All Might. Right. Um, I think and, so. Uh, I tagged him and he never got back to us. So, well, you know, he's busy. He's a busy I'm, guy. I'm he's, trying he's... not to read into it and take it personally, <laughs> really. He's, he's too busy waking up at, you know, 2 a.m. to go work out for five hours. Right. I'm, while I'm he's actually eating. in the process of re listening to a lot of our um, backlogged content. Uh, to We started giving our episode titles and summaries at like episode 18. So the first 17 of ours are just like episode 17 with an ex- exclamation point. In fact, one of them is Epis Doe because uh, we typed it in wrong. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Been, <laughs> it's just been living like that forever. <laughs> um, but we're slowly uh, fixing that. And then once I get caught up with those, I'm going to go back and, and see where it is that we started the live action cast. And uh, we'll create um, maybe a page on uh, Back Patio Net somewhere where we'll link to where we're kind of keeping track of um, our live action cast. and. Maybe we can make that available to people who want to chime in and submit their yeah. own. And, um, or we could cool. uh, we could do a voting system. Maybe put up our our you know picks and let people vote on who they think would be the closest one between the two yeah. of ours. That'd be kind of fun. That would be fun. So we're working in that direction, kind of um, tidying up some things and uh, doing some new stuff with with the formatting of the podcast. So new things always always happening uh, at Back Patio Network. Always. Yes, sir. But I think that ties us up. So next week we'll, we'll be reading uh, 19, 20, 21 and 22, right? I mean, I, I could confirm that by looking at a, uh, you know, a table of contents in volume four, but it is out of reach. So let's just assume that that's what we're going to do. There could be a <laughs> okay. half chapter in there. If there is, I'll tweet about it in about 10 minutes <laughs> when I'm not tied to my computer with headphones. So awesome. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Almighty Pod or follow at Back Patio Net for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.